0: Good morning.
1: You're just in time.
0: Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement.
1: Let's start our day together. Good morning, friends. Welcome in. I'm Amanda Miller.
0: I'm Dave Orsborn. We're excited to have you with us this morning in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show.
1: Cam Clutter is our faithful barista celebrating his birthday today. Joining us this morning in the cafe will be Sister Charbel and Liz Christie to talk about missionary discipleship. Then later, Tim McAndrew will share the story of his devotion to the divine mercy. Dave, can you start us off in prayer?
0: Absolutely, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, Father. We love you and we praise you. We adore you. Thanks for being here with us this morning to... To lead us uh, where you would like us to go, uh, to share the good news of your love with all of our friends, Father, we're grateful for the uh, the friends that listen in, who have found comfort and peace and inspiration uh, through your word, uh, through Amanda and me and and our guests. We're grateful for this opportunity. We're grateful for. Our Sister Charbel Joseph and Liz Christie, who will be with us, for Tim McAndrew, who will join us later this hour, that all is for your glory. St. Faustina.
1: Pray for us.
0: Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Cam's birthday. <laughs> it is Cam's birthday. <laughs> that was a dramatic pause. <laughs> Happy birthday, Cameron.
2: Thank you.
1: How will you be celebrating today? Uh, with Pie.
2: That I thought I was going to make last night but I, I I'm inexperienced apparently in making pies because you have that to make, was brought to your attention it or? was brought to my attention okay. last night because we have to make the crust and then you have to let the crust like chill in the fridge Oh, and it's a gluten-free crust because my wife is gluten-free no dairy things like that and so then you especially have to let it chill in the fridge so we made pie crusts pie last crust. night and they're just empty <laughs> in my fridge which is a little bit sad if you like open the fridge door right but um but we'll it be... set
1: up all the anticipation for today exactly
2: so we'll be fixing that <laughs> later today and i will be having apple pie with freshly picked apples later tonight Ooh, yeah.
0: locally picked fresh apples yeah i don't I remember love the year.
2: name of the fruit farm that we went to but it's in like plain city maybe delaware area somewhere up there Um, so shout out to that fruit farm.
0: Happy birthday. Thanks. 25. Yes. No gray yet.
3: (laughs) Yet. It'll, it'll come.
0: (laughs) It'll come with wisdom, my brother. So, and we celebrate the feast of St. Faustina. Yeah. Yeah. The age of mercy, right?
1: Yeah. Well, his mercy always abounds, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Good point. The
1: age of mercy.
0: Mm. it's a long age it's <laughs> it's older than cam <laughs> so what a great time of year this is is it october is just rich in feast days
1: yeah
0: yeah our the month of our lady of the rosary of course yesterday was a big one with st francis i never did get any oh. ice cream
1: oh bummer i was <laughs> gonna Darn ask it. you how you celebrated
0: I well, I celebrated in adoration. Well, there so you go. My men's group uh, met first, uh, which was just a wonderful uh, discussion around uh, Ephesians uh, chapter five, uh, and always, always great spending spending time with those brothers. Yeah, and then a a portion of a holy hour. Uh, but it was good.
1: Nice. Yeah. that is a way to celebrate.
0: It's so good, and we have a great gospel today this is uh from luke chapter 10 verses 1 to 12 and fits nicely with our discussion on missionary discipleship go figure
1: that's right there you go the lord is good
0: before we uh jump into the gospel good morning sister Charbel joseph
4: good morning thank you for having me here
0: Tell us about yourself. You're pretty new to Columbus, right?
4: I am. I just moved here two months ago. And, okay. Uh, it's been pretty exciting. So I'm glad to be here. And you're OP? I am OP, correct. Yeah. I'm with the Dominican Sisters Immaculate Conception Province. Mm-hmm. Our congregation was founded in Poland in 1861. Okay. But several of our sisters were, um, through the inspiration of the Bishop, uh, came here in the U.S., in the year 1925. So in two years, we'll be celebrating 100 years of being here in America, so.
0: Nice. And so, Charbel. (laughs) That's right. Give us that story. Ah, it's
4: a long one, well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Saint Charbel kind of just crept up, you know, behind me. I wanted to be Sister Josephine initially, um, but I watched a free movie about Saint Charbel on YouTube, and he just kept uh, nagging and coming into my heart. So it's beautiful. And um, I think he chose me or God chose him for me.
0: He is pretty persistent. I'm learning.
4: Mm-hmm. Quiet. Yeah. Quiet Wh- persistence.
0: Yeah. He shows up. Yeah. Where are you from originally?
4: Um, I was born in the Philippines mm-hmm. and then moved to California with my family when I was 11.
0: Okay. We're California, in
4: California girls. Uh-oh, um, uh oh. In the Bay Area. Okay. Okay. I'm more south. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now my family is in Fairfield. Okay.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Nice. Cucamonga.
1: Yeah. I'm from Rancho Cucamonga. I just like saying that. It is. It's fun to say.
0: Liz Christie, good morning.
1: Good morning. How are you?
0: Fantastic. Thanks for being with us. A return appearance.
3: Yes. Glad to be back.
0: I think you count as a regular.
3: I'm a regular. That's cool. Yeah. How about that? I always wanted to be a regular somewhere. So (laughs) why not here? Yeah. Yeah. A, a regular place. among your regulars, there we right? go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks
0: for being here. For our friends that don't know you, a little bit about Liz Christie.
3: Yeah, so I'm the Associate Director of Evangelization for the Diocese of Columbus, mm-hmm. and I've been in that role um, almost two years. I've had a couple title changes along the way, but um, but here we are. And so, yeah, I'm, I, I help at the parish level. We We work with pastors and staff, and um, just help help train and equip and and prepare people to be missionary disciples. So, which I think is our topic today. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, you didn't get the memo. Uh, We 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 changed it. Okay, what are we doing? Not true. Not true. (laughs) Sister Charbel, you have a role with the diocese.
1: Um
4: not with the diocese okay i'm the vocation director. okay okay mm-hmm. gotcha okay with the order okay. i mean
1: for our province yes
0: for the province mm-hmm. okay
1: but we Whoa. do get to see her a lot at the diocese <laughs> so <laughs> what is the province cover um
4: so we are in columbus and our provincial house is in justice illinois we have ha- a house in arkansas one house in canada we used to be in wisconsin um unfortunately uh we because we used to run a nursing home there, but um, we had to close that down. But hopefully we'll be back there one day, we'll see.
1: Sure, so you're in charge of having those conversations with aspirants and putting together come and sees. Correct, so I um, hold retreats for young women who are
4: thinking seriously about what Jesus is asking of them. Um, If I can put a little plug in, actually there's one coming up at the end of the month. Yeah. Um, It'll be in Illinois, but I'm driving from Ohio to go over there, so oh. if anyone's interested in <laughs> listening, trip. yes, um, contact me and we can drive together.
5: Yeah. Nice.
0: Now, there was a luncheon yesterday, I think, for Sarah Club, right, Correct. for young ladies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did you have the opportunity?
4: Yes, I was there with two other sisters, so that was mm-hmm.
0: fun. Great turnout, I saw.
4: Yes, around 200 Wow. Um, high schoolers and some middle schoolers, too, yeah, mm-hmm.
0: that's
4: great, just Good. to plant those seeds. Well,
0: and thank you to Sarah Club of North Columbus for putting that on. Mm-hmm. So. All right, let's jump into the gospel today. huh? Sister Charbel has volunteered <laughs> All right. to read for us. So again, this is from Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 12. Do you want to pray before we go into the gospel, or do you just want to jump right in?
4: Um. Okay, we can say a quick prayer to Our Lady to help yeah. us um, meditate about um, the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary,
0: Mother Mother. of God, pray pray for us sinners, sinners, now and and at at the the hour of our death. Amen.
4: Amen. Amen. Ready? Mm Mm-hmm. Jesus appointed 72 other disciples, whom he sent ahead of him in pairs, to every town and place he intended to visit. He said to them, The harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. Go on your way. Behold, I am sending you like lambs among wolves. Carry no money bag, no sack, no sandals, and greet no one along the way. Into whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this household. If a peaceful person lives there, your peace will rest on him. But if not... It will return to you. Stay in the same house and eat and drink what is offered to you, for the laborer deserves his payment. Do not move about from one house to another. Whatever town you enter and they welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God is at hand for you. Whatever town you enter and they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, the dust of your town that clings to our feet, even that we shake off against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God is at hand. I tell you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom on that day than for that town.
0: Amen.
1: Sister, what's the first thing that sticks out to you?
4: Um... First thing, go on your way. Behold, I am sending you like lambs among wolves.
1: I mean, that's pretty tough. <laughs> mm, yeah. It, he's almost like guaranteeing that there will be tribulation. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And I see, yeah, like lambs. Uh, but that also says uh, lambs have a shepherd. Mm-hmm. Uh that even, even if we're sent among wolves, we have a shepherd with us.
1: Actually, this is one of my um, favorite verses. The harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. Um, I've always loved that just because of this whole idea of um, he is asking us to do this specific mission work. And then today what hit me was just the word harvest and laborers and the idea of that, they're meant to be gathered and they're meant to be labored for that. Each one of us is so worth pursuing and so worth loving um, and helping each other get into the kingdom of heaven that we, we should feel a fire and an urgency to do this laboring.
0: Jeff Cavins made an interesting point. I was listening to his reflection this morning uh, on this passage and he brings it back around to intercessory prayer. And so ask the master to send out laborers for his harvest. So to ask, especially for our family members, uh, either near or far, uh, to ask for labors for them. You know, that it may not be, sometimes it's harder to witness to those closest to us. So to bring, to ask for those, those people that can touch their hearts and walk with them. But then also for us to hear, God's voice also, where, where is he calling us? You know, it it could be, is it for that barista? Is it for, you know, the person in the supermarket, um, that somebody else has prayed for, you know, to bring into their lives. So that intercession to bring laborers into the vineyard. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah. That, that was the first thing that stood out to me. I, especially like working with parishes they understand this the harvest is abundant but the laborers are few Mm -hmm. um and it's a pain point i think that we all feel and it and it's this sense of like oh we have to get more people we have to get more people we have to get more people and then but you have to flip that god gives us the instruction right here ask the master Mm. ask the lord pray for um, who he wants and um i've definitely done that over the years like at my parish many times I'll see a need, I'll pray for it, and I'm like, Lord, send the person that is supposed to do this thing. One time, we needed somebody to do something with our music at Mass, and this person came up after Mass, and I had been praying for the specific role, and he came up, and he said, you know, you guys should do this, and this, and this, and I said, oh, do you have a music background? He's like, yeah, and then he starts talking. I'm like, Okay. I think you should help us do this and this and this. And, uh, and that's exactly what happened. Um, but when you're praying for it, when you're asking, it's easier to find the people the Lord is sending. Yeah. And sometimes he's calling them and they just need it confirmed by someone else. And so then it's, then, you know, when you say, oh, I've been praying and waiting for you and they're like, well, I've been praying and asking the Lord what I should do. And then when that comes together, it, it's really beautiful and it kind of confirms. Okay. Let's move forward. This That's is, a really
1: great yeah. point, Liz, yeah. because if, if I'm already praying for it, then it's giving me kind of almost like those antennas that I'm putting out there of listening for whoever might approach me for to fulfill whatever the Lord is going to create that space for. Yeah.
3: And I would say like the most fruitful parish volunteers have have come using that model. And I think, you know, this scripture specifically gives us the instruction for that and there's a lot of other scriptures that would say the same thing but this one specifically yeah
0: was there a person in any of your lives that kind of showed up out of the blue how did you find the dominicans uh, sister Charbel?
1: um
4: so being in california it's a long way off from uh illinois i think uh where our provincial house is, I had a friend who came on retreat um, with our sisters, and she was very excited, and she told me all about it, and I was visiting a lot of congregations already at this point, and so um, discerning and trying to look for my religious home, and uh, I was just convinced that I needed to follow what she was telling me to do. And so, um, with her urgent insistence, I came on our <laughs> retreat. <laughs> and initially, she was really excited. She wanted to become and apply to our congregation, um, but she ended up not, and I ended up staying. So, I think that uh, she was a godsend. So, little at that like at
0: that point, had you been discerning uh, becoming a bride of Christ?
4: Yes. So, I we were. I think. My community was the last one I looked into. So, um it it had been a journey looking for uh where I was supposed to belong. So mm-hmm. that was a blessing.
0: And you found peace there, obviously. Yes. I I mean is is that how the discernment goes? I mean, is that how you're how you're led to
4: Absolutely come and see until mm-hmm. until you find that peace. Right. Um it's like dating, right? When you're looking is this a right fit for me, is this community um will I be more of myself in the community? Is God calling me to be here? Um, and if there's peace and joy, then you should keep moving forward. And if there's a restlessness and an anxiety, then maybe bring it to prayer a little bit more. Um, but God is a God of peace and joy and love, right? So, um, he's not going to ask you to, I mean, it's not his desire for you to be anxious and afraid and um, all these negative fears, you know. Um, So if you find peace in Christ, then you should keep walking forward with him.
0: Amen. Sister Charbel Joseph and Liz Christie are our friends here in the St. Gabriel Cafe this morning. Liz, when you made the uh, uh, move from parish ministry to the diocese, how'd that all happen for you?
3: Yeah, well, that's a long story. Um,
0: I'm good at asking questions and, <laughs> that have long stories,
3: <laughs> and I definitely still have a foot in the door at the parish, so I haven't. Yeah. I haven't really. You know, it's not a separate thing; it's a continuum. So the things I'm doing at the parish that where I started there spill over into the diocese, and vice versa, because um, you know it's all it's all one big family when you think about it. Um, you know, we have our bishop, who's the shepherd of all of us, and then leaders of the diocese and then leaders at the parish and um yeah it all kind of comes together but I mean it was just just the way the Lord works in my life um I don't know some some people know this but I spent 20 years delivering babies at all the hospitals around Columbus and uh the Lord put on my heart to do things at the parish level um there was just a need and and I could see this need and I'm like somebody should do that somebody should help here and you know, and eventually I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I could do something. And you were so, thinking of somebody else. Somebody else, yeah. Somebody <laughs> else should do those things. Um, but then it, it starts small, right? So I'm like, okay, I'll I'll do this. I'll do this one thing. I'll serve in this one way, and then, well, okay. Then there's also this, and then it just grows. And like sister, like what you said, there's peace and joy um, when you're walking with the Lord. And so that was kind of like each step forward. I'm like, I feel peace in this decision and this move forward. And um, so I worked at the parish level for several years and then eventually connected with Father Adam Streitenberger. And so, and he he then brought me to the diocese. So it's his fault if, um, <laughs> or it's thanks to him. Um, but it's great. I mean, I wake up every day and I'm like, I can't believe I get to do all of these things and serve in these ways and um, work with so many people across our diocese. It's amazing. So there's a lot of really... Really great, great people.
1: Well, Liz, and that I'm just actually kind of astounded by your story because you went from, like you said, delivering babies to to now just working full time for the church, and so that in a way almost seems like a big jump. And it it takes me back to the gospel of today. This idea of, you know, they were following the Lord and living with Him, but then suddenly He asked them, "Okay, like now you go out and do it, right?" And so there is this this switch in life that God calls us to sometimes and, and the courage that's needed to do that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he, he gives you just enough information to trust and step forward, even if you don't see the final result of what you're doing. And so I've learned that over time. I've learned to listen. I've learned to trust and I'm like, okay, I hear this, this feels similar. This is the way you usually speak to me, Lord. I, I, I'm feeling this through prayer. I'm going to say yes to this thing, and I'll know why later. And that's just been a continual part of my journey.
1: Mm-hmm. So, Liz, what when you hear the word missionary, what does that mean to you, or how would you describe that?
3: Yeah. So, well, you know, we have all these buzzwords in right <laughs> in Catholic land with us, you know. And so, I don't know, like missionary disciple, or it's 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 going out, it's going forth. Um, but when you look at like what is a missionary disciple, I mean. The best way I can summarize it is it's somebody who's met the Lord, loves the Lord, and wants to share that with other people um, and is willing to give their life for that.
1: Okay, I'm going to ask a question because this morning I was like, okay, I know what a missionary is. I know what a disciple is. What does it mean when we put those two words together? Are they kind of redundant? Yeah, a little bit. Good. (laughs) Just making sure I understood this correctly. Yeah. Sister, do you have thoughts on being a missionary yeah. disciple?
4: I mean, the um, the verses that p- you pointed out, I think it's very um, beautifully illustrates what a missionary disciple is. You know, the harvest is abundant, but the mm-hmm. laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. And that's what a missionary disciple is. Someone who goes out and um, harvests right? Yeah, And I think also being a missionary disciple, it sounds like supplemental to our Christian life, but it really mm. isn't. Mm-mm. It's at the core of our identity. Um, by virtue of our baptism, our confirmation, It's we are all called to go out and harvest, be those laborers for God's kingdom. Um, because this is, the world is temp- temporary, right? And we have, our, our eyes, um, should be set on heaven and towards eternity. Um, so being a missionary disciple, it's not an extra credit, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but,
1: um, it's not something that some Christians do. Right. It's by, by virtue of our baptism, like exactly. you said, we are all missionaries, right? It's part of our identity, part of our identity. Uh, yeah, so true. And it makes me think, though, I don't know. I get this sense that sometimes this word missionary or disciple or or missionary disciple together almost creates this maybe like fear of Mm -hmm. like, I don't know how to do that. Like, how do I do that in my daily life? Mm -hmm. Any any thoughts? I mean, Dave, we were talking about St. Therese. Yeah.
0: I mean, she's the patron of missions, right?
1: Yeah. And she. Yeah. Tell us what's what brought that up for you.
0: To really witness where where you're put mm. and that I think that was very much saint Therese's. I mean she had dreams of going abroad uh, to I guess what's now Vietnam, and that never happened, so she enters the the Carmelite convent uh, cloistered, but that was her mission territory you know for the rest of her life. I came across a a, a quote um about Therese, in prayerfully offering her kindness, charity, and the works of her simple life to God, for the good of others, Saint Therese made God known to others, and that's the ultimate job of every missionary disciple. So you think, sister, you know, you're you're in a convent, you know, surrounded by other, other sisters, and you would think, is there really a need to be a missionary to to the other sisters? But the answer. Here is yes, absolutely. that wherever you are, whatever your role, whatever your vocation, mm-hmm. there's always a need to be a missionary to those around you.
4: Exactly. I need, I need the witness of my sisters and they also need my witness. We need each other to grow in, in holiness and, um, being in our journey towards heaven. And I love it, you know, as a sister, I guess I just got used to wearing the habit, but um, even little things like going to go get gas and then seeing other people, uh, doing a double look, you know, a double take. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, that's right. Um, I get to bring Christ in every environment I walk in. It's such a great privilege and blessing. Um, and, it, and that's a beautiful way to live out my missionary discipleship, um, without even saying anything, but even, you know, as a lay person living your faith intentional, intentionally and purposefully unafraid you know just making the sign of the cross before meals when you're at mcdonald's or something um but not being afraid to live out your catholic identity um that's being a missionary
0: of well, the two words that that stood out to me in that quote was kindness and charity right and, and that's something we all can do very easily Like you said, I mean, at at the gas station, at the supermarket, you know, wherever, just practicing those acts of kindness and charity, the little way, um, you know, doing little things with great love. I think that was Mother Teresa, right? Little, little things with great love. Or is that St. Teresa? Anyway, we'll just say Trez. Her little (laughs) way. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of them. But but, uh, it is true. I mean, it's those little acts of kindness and just charity that we can show to others throughout the day is a great expression of being a missionary.
1: Yeah, actually what stood out to me in what you just read, Dave was prayerful offering life for others. And I think that really sums up the missionary life. Well, is this continuous prayerful offering of, of your life and your sacrifices, um, giving yourself in love for others. And I mean, really, that's, that's emulating the cross, right? Mm. Um, and then, sister, you also said purposefully unafraid to live out our identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. I think that's just all wrapped up in just Christian living, mm-hmm. and which really gets to the heart of, again, being a missionary.
3: Yeah. I think I love what you said about prayer. You know, like, as we're close to the Lord in prayer, we hear his call, and we can do his will. And that that guides and strengthens our our lives as missionary disciples. Mm
1: -hmm. I think many people have the question of, well, how do I do that? How do I unite my sufferings to the cross? Yeah. I mean, you just do. Yeah. Uh, You just do. I (laughs) mean, really, it's the intention of, Lord, I offer this to you. Yes.
3: Yeah. And it's just that daily trust and surrender. I Lord, I trust you. I surrender to your will. And, you know, you just kind of make that your daily prayer, like, what, what do you want from me today, Lord? And he'll show you. And, uh, when you're close to him in prayer and, and you're, you're rooted in scripture, you're going to see that and you're going to know what to do. I think, I think it's scary for people because it's like, Oh, what's a missionary disciple. Okay. You go do that. I, you know, and, and it sounds like a big word, but it's just, it's just being a Christian. It's just living your faith. It's just, you know, witnessing. Um, and it's a privilege and a gift that, we get to do that, and we can do that, um, even in the midst of a broken, messy world. So,
5: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Where where do you find hesitation when, when you're when you're talking to people in parishes? What what's the hesitancy to to have that boldness?
3: Mm, I think some people maybe feel unequipped, or just maybe they don't feel good enough, or there's something, you know, at the root of it, there's something standing in their way, maybe an unresolved sin, maybe a past hurt, maybe you know something that the evil one kind of whispers to them like you're not qualified to do this because of this. Um, and so I think again, like staying close to the Lord in prayer, close in sacraments, reconciliation, um, when we're when we're doing those things, we're more open and more disposed to what the Lord's truly calling us to do. so um, yeah, I think, I think at the root of it, um, some of those things play in.
0: Well, I think for, you know, family members or close friends, they're there in front of you mm-hmm. anyway. It's whether or not you're going to bring Christ into, into whatever the, you know, the situations are just in, in, into life <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and how still our hearts, if, if they're not turned to the Lord, uh, as, as disciples that thought of even bringing christ into a situation may be secondary or may not even occur you know first and foremost and I think that's a uh with men as as problem solvers you know we we turn to uh, our own natural abilities or uh you know making a phone call to the handyman or to the to the plumber and, you know, but it, th- those are practical problems, but spiritual problems. Um, how often do we even turn to the Lord to address that? And we try to do it, do it on our own, fix it, whatever is broken.
2: Yeah. And and as the other man in the room, I figured this was when I should jump in. um, And, and not like, especially in the work of evangelization, I think I often... Uh, you know, pair that word with the word missionary disciple, the, the my job as a Christian to go out and share the gospel, um, there's a level of that, like, fix-it handyman that, that comes into the evangelization side of things when I encounter somebody, I think, especially on men, but even overarchingly, I think a lot of people lean toward uh, an apologetics side of thing of, like, I must defend the faith and and that comes back to what you were saying Liz I think a lot of people might feel unequipped or 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 not qualified to be the person who is a missionary disciple the friends can't see my air quotes missionary <laughs> disciples don't have to have this like great theology degree I I think of um my theology professor when I was getting my degree uh sharing with all of us it was one of the first days of class and I I was joking with him. I was like, "Oh well, I'm not a theologian yet," you know. And he he slams his hand in front of me and he says, "Do you read the Bible, Kim?" And I said, "Well, yes." And he said, "Then you're a theologian. Get over it." And I was like, "Oh, Um, the translation, of course. If you read the Bible, if you read the scripture, if you have that personal relationship with Jesus in that way, and and by that I mean like if you pray to God, then you are equipped." immediately to to be a person who shares the gospel
0: i think that's a really important part of this passage also when it's repeated twice i believe the kingdom of god is at hand yeah. now, the kingdom of god is at hand and in the whole passage begins with jesus saying you're going to go out to every town and place that i intend to visit so he already has plans to be in these places and that also makes going out among wolves a lot more <laughs> comforting <laughs> or have that, that assurance right. that the Lord's going to be there also.
1: Yeah. And that he wants us to, to plant seeds so he can grow them and harvest them in as well, right? That we can have assurance, whatever God is calling us to, that he's there already, mm-hmm. right? Yeah.
3: Like we don't, we don't have to fear suffering, we're so good at trying to avoid suffering. Uh, so much of our lives and our time is spent, you know, like, oh, I don't want to suffer. But really, it's suffer well. Behold, I am sending you like lambs among wolves. Okay. You're going <laughs> to suffer. Okay. Right. Take Expect up your cross. <laughs> okay. We're going to yeah. suffer. And don't okay. And don't take anything with you. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. So
0: you're going to walk basically without anything into the yeah. into the wolf wolf's den. <laughs> sure. um, but- yeah, and like manna but I'll and be with
3: you. the manna in the desert, right? Collect what you need for the day. I'll provide for tomorrow. It's, again, back to that trust and surrender. Like, Okay, you're in charge, Lord. And even if they're suffering, and even if it's hard, I know you're going to be with me. We're not immune to suffering, you know? Um, it's just part of our lives. So, um, again, he tells us. It's like we don't have to be surprised. We know it's coming. It's okay. We can walk joyfully knowing he's with us, even in the midst of the wolves.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And my thoughts also go to kind of getting uh, get again back to this idea of well, maybe being a fearful that we're not equipped, but really like we've been saying this idea of, well, you know, just being that faithful witness. Right. Some because, yeah, maybe we don't all feel like we can proclaim maybe eloquently and the Lord has provided people like that, but each and every one of us can live an authentic Christian life and be a witness of joy. Right?
0: Well, when you think about the situations that, that are in front of you rarely, rarely do they require a, th- a theology degree or, you know, or a really good explanation of doctrine. What What those situations do require kindness, Charity, patience.
1: Right. Yeah. And how often have you heard testimonies of people who are like, I just saw someone who was happy and I wanted to know what they had, you know? And it's like, wow, that's, that's the first thing that people are attracted to. Like our joy,
5: Mm
1: -hmm. our Mm -hmm. love. Yeah.
3: And I think when you share your story and people see like, oh, okay, here's the messiness of your life, but you have joy. Why do you have joy? Yeah. Why are you happy? (laughs) Because of the Lord. Is with me you know that that's where my joy comes from um, yeah yeah sister
4: your thoughts well also I think too like we may some people may be discouraged about being a missionary disciple because there's this worry of um, well if I um, say something or do something what will the other people say how will they mm-hmm. respond to me um, but really uh, also the gospel I think what touches me about Go on your way. Behold, I'm sending you like lambs among wolves. Um, it's, you know, spread the seeds of the gospel in and out of season. And mm-hmm. um, I love what you said, you said, Dave, about um, that we are lambs and we have a shepherd. And so we don't have to worry um, because our shepherd is strong <laughs> uh, and he is wise. He knows what to do. And the sufferings that he allow... Um, It's for our benefit. It grows our character. And like Liz said, we're going to suffer anyway. It's just part of our fallen human nature, right? Um, And then how beautiful to be able to suffer with Christ um, and to grow in our love for Christ uh, in those moments of suffering and hardship.
0: Mm -hmm. What do you think our young ladies see when they encounter your community?
4: Mm, I hope they would see joy. And love, love for God, um, love for the Eucharist, we're Marian and Eucharistic, um, and we're faithful to our Holy Catholic Church, and so I hope when they come visit, those things are very evident um, in our way of life, in our relationship with each other, with the sisters.
0: And it, 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 that's identical, or it should be identical to what people see when they see our families, right, or, mm-hmm. or they walk into our parishes, it, it should be the very same thing. Mm -hmm. Wow. How, how, how simple that, that, I mean, that really is, but, but you have to be intentional Mm -hmm. also about it. Right. And that, and that's to me, the discipleship part of being a missionary disciple is, is that you're living in Christ, that, that you're staying close to him always. So then, our kindness, our generosity, our love is an overflow of, of what we're receiving yes. from the Lord.
3: Yeah. And there's another word um, in this gospel that where it says, peace to this household. Into whatever house you enter, first say peace to this household. If a peaceful person lives there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. So you can be, you can share that peace and um, you can spread Mm-hmm. And if not, you get it back. You get it back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You never lose I like it. That. You never lose yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it grows, right? It's mm-hmm. just like you, you share peace and um, the peace of Christ.
1: Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. And I keep on actually coming back, sister, to what you just said, this idea of we're being sent out as lambs among wolves. And so if you if you kind of just hear that part, it sounds kind of intimidating. And it, it tells us, you know, we should expect suffering. But you had such a good point. Um, You and Dave both made the point that, well, then that also implies we have a shepherd. Mm -hmm. And so even though we'll be lambs among wolves, we'll be shepherded, we'll be protected. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't mean no suffering, but it means we'll be okay. Mm -hmm. And to step out in faith, to step out um, in courage and to to share that love, to share that joy, to share that peace. Um, But to know that you have a savior who's on your side
4: And also, as a lamb, um, we have to be attentive to our shepherd's voice, Mm. right? We have to listen because he's trying to give us instructions, right? Um, He may be telling us, there's wolves in that corner, don't go over there, right? (laughs) But if we're very distracted, we won't be able to hear, and there goes danger, right? Um, And that's when prayer comes in, and living the sacraments, uh, being before Jesus in the Eucharist. Um, this year, right, we're anticipating the Eucharistic Revival Congress um, next summer. So I think it's a beautiful reminder of how God is so present um, among us, always shepherding us, always guiding, um, always loving. And he's, God is a provident Father. Um, he gives us what we need. But we have to be attentive, you know, and listen. We have to listen as lambs.
0: Mm-hmm. Outstanding. Outstanding. Thanks for being with us today, Sister Charbel Joseph, Liz Christie. Always a pleasure. We're going to take this opportunity to refill our mugs, and then we'll be back in a couple minutes welcoming Tim McAndrew to talk about his devotion to Divine Mercy. Stay with us.
5: O good Jesus, you are the Most High God, everlasting and always living. You have shown us the way to the Father and sent the Holy Spirit to guide us. We implore thy most sacred heart to have mercy on us in this time of need. Bless and protect the vulnerable. Give hope to all and fill our hearts with confidence in your divine mercy. Be our joy in the midst of suffering and our stability in the midst of uncertainty. Your forgiveness we seek, your love we need your protection we implore forgive our sins and heal our wounds strengthen any weakness of faith and make us strong so as to give witness to your glory keep far from us any illness pestilence or harm you are our refuge you are our comfort you are our hope through the intercession of our lady health of the sick we come to your most sacred heart and beseech your protection and blessing Most sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. Amen.
6: Do you have a minute for lasting happiness? Living virtuously is the way to freedom, happiness, and holiness. To grow in virtue, we must learn about it, practice it, and persevere in it. This is what the saints have achieved with excellence. An excellent example of the virtue of perseverance is seen in servant of God, Elizabeth Lecerre, She lived perseverance heroically by facing opposition from her atheist husband for the practice of her faith. She chose to pray for him rather than engage in arguments. After her death, he found and read her journals that revealed her love for Christ. He later converted and became a Dominican priest. Let us ask servant of God, Elizabeth Vassure, to pray for us, that we may grow in perseverance. Educate yourself in virtue. Learn more at educationinvirtue.com. Welcome
1: back, friends, to the St. Gabriel Cafe. I'm Amanda Miller.
0: I'm Dave Orsborn, and we have a new friend joining us. Well, an old friend, new, f- new to, the to the cafe, cafe this morning, <laughs> Tim McAndrew. Tim, good morning.
7: Good morning, guys. How are you?
0: Awesome. We're here with Sister Charbel Joseph and Liz Christie. Everyone say hi to Tim. Hi, Tim. Hi, Hi, ladies. (laughs) Tim, I know you primarily, uh, and way back, based on your love for St. Faustina and the diary. Yes. Yeah, how, how did you first uh, come, because this goes, I mean, way back when not too many people in the area knew about St. Faustina.
7: Yeah, it, uh, when I owned a Catholic bookstore um, back in the 1990s, um, basically I was reading the Diary of St. Faustina a lot, and I was selling cars, and the bishop, well, someone gave me a call, said the bishop wants to buy a car from you. I, and I was reading the diary at the same time, and I thought, Uh, I want to talk to the bishop about the Diary of St. Faustina. (laughs) So (laughs) so it was Bishop Griffin. So I was sitting in the car, and I said, Bishop, uh, have you ever read the Diary of St. Faustina? He said, yeah, I have, not I like it. I said, I I want to write a newspaper about it. And uh, I'm very dyslexic, and I'm not a writer, but I felt like I was saying, I want you to write this. I'm like, oh, Lord, I I don't write, but I'm going to give this a shot. So he said, uh, he says you can do this, and I'll give you permission to spread it as long as you work with Father Deville. You can spread this, but you got to do whatever he says. And if you don't, I don't. You're not. I'm not going to back you at all. I said, okay, I'll work with Father Deville. So I started working with Father Deville, and we put a newspaper together called the Divine Mercy Messenger. And I wanted to spread it because I'm looking at the diary, and I loved it. It's hard to say, but I was reading it way more than the Bible. I shouldn't read the Bible. I mean, I marked it up like the Bible, and I just loved it, you know. So when I worked with Father DeVille, we were spreading it, and uh, we printed probably 3,000 the first time, and all of a sudden I was getting calls from everywhere, from people ordering this newspaper all the way into Canada. People were spreading it. They were sending it to their friends, and instantly it took off as a blast. And then all of a sudden I put a website together, then came up with the name Laity for Mercy. And that was in 1998, before she was getting canonized. And that's basically how I began doing it. I fell in love with St. Faustina, really with Jesus in the diary, because I was an alcoholic. I was a sinner. And I love the diary because it was all about God's mercy and love and trust. I thought I need to trust Him. And I fell in love with confession. All of a sudden I was going to weekly confession because I understood how powerful this sacrament was to heal me of my alcoholism, of all the sins in my life, in those times where when my marriage was falling apart and I knew I needed God's mercy so bad in St. Paul's it was leading me to God's mercy. It Almost makes me tear up talking about it. But that's why I love the diary. I fell in love with Saint Paul's because of that. I'm actually sitting here with a first-class relic and looking at it while I'm talking to you guys. Uh-huh. I got a, I got a big painting of her right in front of me at the same time. So she is very important to me in my life, St. Faustina is.
1: Tim, it sounds like this whole journey that you've had with Divine Mercy has really been a journey, at first, of hope,
7: would oh, you yeah. say? Yeah, I would say you're right. It's just hope and knowing that, that I have heaven waiting on me. You know, before, when people sin a lot, they get to the point where it's like a car. If you don't give it an oil change after a while, it just breaks down and you give up. And that's what happens with sin. You just, you get so bad, you think, I'm too far from God's mercy. There's no way he can forgive me. And that's not true. That's what the devil convinces himself of. You know, his mercy is so big, so loving. You know, and that's the three things that the diary brings out, he brings out, Be merciful, trust in his mercy, and believe in his mercy, you know. And that's what we need in the world right now. The world's gone bonkers, as you guys know. And and mercy is needed so bad. St. Faustina is needed so bad.
0: And it was really fertile ground. I mean, you're talking late 90s. Faustina wasn't canonized until... 2000. 2000, right? And then right. When, when did um, St. John Paul II start um, Divine Mercy Sunday? Was uh, it
7: that... was 2000. Right, there candid- at the canonization. Canonization, right. That was really the first one. Uh, Sacred Heart was having the celebration. Imagine Father DeVille got permission from uh, the bishop. So he was having a celebration before it was the official feast day of the Church. Uh, is what happened. In 1959, her, her writings were banned because of faulty translations. Then 1978, it was brought back, of course, and that's when John Paul II was canonized, or John Paul II became Pope in 1978. And I was uh, listening to Father Alar yesterday. You know, when this interview is coming it's bringing back old memories and everything, I thought, I'm going to listen to Father Alar. And, uh, you know, he's the head of the Marian now, and he was... Uh, he was getting the story, it was 1937, St. Faustina had a vision of her canonization. And during the vision, you know, it was like the Feast of Mercy, or Divine Mercy Sunday, in this vision. And she saw St. Peter, you know, the first pope, whispering in the ear of the pope then. And we all know it's John Paul. And Father Alar said that, you know what he's whispering? He's saying, Divine Mercy Sunday, make it a feast day in the church And I thought that was beautiful. I remember reading it years ago, but I thought, oh, wow, that's a beautiful thing. I miss John Paul a lot. You know, he was uh, was the Mercy Pope.
1: You know, when I first heard about Divine Mercy Sunday, I was actually in Poland visiting where Faustina's convent was. And I remember being absolutely blown away. Like, why have I never heard of this before? The promises that are offered during Divine Mercy Sunday. I mean, it's a... Tim, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's akin to a new baptism, like complete washing away of sin, and the repercussions of it?
7: Right. It wipes away all sin and punishment. Where people get confused, the plenary indulgence only deals with temporal punishment, never sin itself. Where baptism deals with everything, it wipes away all sin and punishment. So the graces you receive on Mercy Sunday are similar to the graces of baptism. Of course, you can't be baptized twice, Correct. but the graces are very similar. So it wipes away all sin and punishment. And this is sin known and unknown. So it's basically clearing you completely out.
1: Come on, that's so, so huge. We should all be running to Divine Mercy <laughs> Sunday.
7: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, if you want to avoid purgatory, because people think, well, I'll just go good purgatory. And I think, no, you really don't want to go there. <laughs> this is giving you a shot to basically not deal with purgatory. I mean, you know, after Mercy Sunday's done, you start sinning again. Well, you got next year. You don't <laughs> want to sin, but fortunately it's a tough world. And so it does, it wipes everything out. I don't think people realize that. It's like, you know, because I've had some, and I, you know, some people, they always approach me on it. They go, well, it's like a plan indulgence. I'm like, no, it's not. It's bigger. It's huge. You have no idea how huge this is. It wipes away everything. You're like a newborn baby again.
0: And what a gift uh, for these times. And sister, you might want to join in here too with the Polish connection. I mean, look what came out of Poland at at, at that time. So we have uh, St. John Paul II, we have St. Faustina, and St. Maximilian Kolbe, all within however many miles of each other, roughly the the same time. There's a great documentary on kind of this convergence called Oceans of Mercy. Uh, recommend it to everyone. Just talking about each of their lives, and how they are three saints for our time.
7: Oh, they they truly are. I was reading yesterday. You know, so when I was preparing. I thought, oh, geez, let me let me go through some stuff here. You know, because I, I love the diary and everything. And usually, I get hot and heavy when it gets around Lent. I start going through it and preparing because I get a lot of calls from parishes all over the country wanting the messenger. But I was reading about uh, Rudolf Hawk, and he was the uh, commander in chief of Auschwitz.
0: Yes, yes, go for I it. Was reading I the love the story. story it, yeah.
7: If anybody can ever look it up, but basically, um, he was probably directly involved with probably over a million Jews that were killed at Auschwitz. He, he was the commander in chief. In fact, he was involved with Maximilian Colby's death as well. But I was reading the story, and when he was finally, when the war was over and he was at trial, of course, he's found guilty and he's going to be hung. And he actually grew up Catholic. He just basically fell into the ideology of Hitler. And so what happened was was he was very impressed with the way the Polish guards were treating him. They were treating him with kindness, not the way they were treating the Jews back then or the Catholics. And so he he had a change of heart, and he was remembering his faith. And so he asked the guard. He said, "Can I have a priest? I, I need I need confession." And you're talking about the commander in chief involved with killing millions of Jews. And so they they kept hunting for somebody because they they need someone to speak in German for him. So they found a priest. And the priest they found he was actually at the tomb of Saint Faustina praying when they found him. And so he goes, Yeah, I'll go hear his confession. So he hears his confession. Then they said, Right before he died, he said, Can I have Holy Communion? And he got Holy Communion. And they said, They looked in his cell and he was on his knees, And he said, God, please forgive me. And God did. God set that up. So for the listeners out there that think they've gone too far, that they've not, there's no sin that's not forgivable. They're all forgivable. just believe and trust in him. I just thought it would be, you know, that's why I enjoyed this interview I read there yesterday. I thought, oh, my gosh, his mercy is so beautiful.
0: fact check me also. Did that happen um, during Holy Week?
7: Yeah, it did. It happened, well, his confession didn't happen on Mercy Sunday, but I was hoping it did when I was reading that thought, I wonder if this happened on Mercy Sunday. Uh, But it was right during Holy Week it happened. I thought, "How, how beautiful, this man that was Catholic at one time. And they said his family was a devout Catholic, but he just fell into the ideology of Hitler and he just become completely brainwashed. And so it all came back to him, this Catholic faith, and he received God's mercy. And I'm sure he went to purgatory, you know, but...
1: And that reminds made... me of our, our earlier conversation. You, it was the other's witness that brought him back to Christ and the beauty right. of just like their kindness, which brought him back.
0: That, that Polish guard... Right. Right. That responded to Hoff's request, knew where to go, and he found the priest at Faustina's tomb.
7: And so that's, so, that's so, was, so they, that was. He's there praying, and that's where they find him. And I thought, there's divine mercy in action. And, and it, was, it was the Polish guards that treated him with kindness. And he couldn't believe it because the way they treated the Jews, like crap. And he's like, why are they loving me? You know, I'm, I'm the worst of the worst, and they looked at him not as the worst of the worst. They looked at him as a child of God that needs God's mercy.
0: So then, you started at Sacred Heart with the uh, Divine Mercy uh, devotion. It pretty much exploded then after 2000.
7: Oh yeah, it really took off. I would, I would say, from dealing with. I mean, I deal with a lot of dioceses now. They, they give me calls, you know, all over during, you know, Lent to want the newspaper. You know, I, I print my own chaplet cards. I, we print uh, the image. We spread probably, I don't know, maybe 500,000 images. So, so I get uh, I get constant calls, and I, I tell you, really, our diocese is probably the, the number one out there. It, it is strong. I tell people that, you know, because I deal with some dioceses, and I will have one parish that celebrates Mercy Sunday. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is huge. And then I look at ours, and I'm like, it's almost every parish in the diocese is having some kind of celebration. They're praying the that they have the image of. And this isn't me. This is St. Faustina's work. And I'm just thinking, oh, Lord, thank you for letting me involved. And I see this, and I see people going to confession all the time and just receiving this beautiful sacrament. And it's it's the work of St. Faustina, just a, you know, a very not intelligent woman. I mean, she only had uh, basically three years of education. Uh, she was basically not not very smart. I was reading, I don't mean to talk too much, but I was reading a book years ago, uh, a lady that knew the nuns and knew her and said that when they first looked at her, her writings, their notebooks, she never had periods, commas. I mean, she was an illiterate. That's the way God works. And so they didn't know when Jesus was talking. They didn't know anything, so they'd have to underline where they think, well, Jesus must be talking here. So that's how illiterate she was. She was just writing without putting periods or anything. Mm-hmm. Just kept writing. Tim, it's an interesting way God works that yeah, way.
0: Yeah, Tim, we have just about a minute and a half left. For people that are interested in your ministry, The Messenger, I know we've also gotten the messenger into a number of prisons how can people find you and and participate and help you out on on the ministry uh
7: it's feastofmercy.net dot net that's what jesus called divine mercy sunday of course pope john paul called it divine mercy sunday but to the diary when you read it he called it the feast of mercy so it's the feast of dot net when you go on there, you can go and you can scroll up and down and read everything about everything the chapter the image is the, the, the Mercy Sunday. Everything's in there. But And my phone number's on there. So if someone wants to call and say, hey, I, I want to, can you give me a thousand of these papers? I want to spread them. <laughs> Good. It, it, they, they really work because it's hard to read a 700 page book. Yeah. yeah. I've Tim. been doing it for 25 years reading it. So yeah. I, I got a lot of it in my head.
0: Thank you, brother. <laughs> so, Thanks for being with uh, us. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit.
1: As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen.
0: Amen. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, sister. Thanks, Liz. God bless y'all.